following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Old Words, New Life, Transformative Teachings from the Old Testament. When you read stories in the Old Testament, you'll hear from time to time about God talking with people. People, they often imagine that there must have been a divine voice somehow thundering out of the sky. But if that is the case, then God does not talk to people anymore. There are, of course, some people today who say that God talks to them, but we generally conclude that they are crazy or they are religious charlatans. But if we can get past misunderstandings, the Old Testament stories about God speaking with people are communicating to us something very important and very real. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. One of the favorite stories that we use in Sunday school classes is a story we heard this morning about the boy Samuel in the temple. It's a great story for children because, first of all, it features a boy as the main character. His age is not specified, but it's likely that he was about 12. It's also a great story because it deals with the central biblical theme of communication with God. Early in the book of Samuel, we're told of how Samuel's parents, Elkanah and Hannah, prayed to God for the gift of a child. And upon the birth of Samuel, they dedicated Samuel in thankfulness to God, to the service of God in the temple. Samuel then grew up in the temple under the care of Eli, who was the high priest. The temple at this time was a temporary structure located in the town of Shiloh. As the story unfolds, it is nighttime. Samuel and Eli are both in bed when suddenly Samuel hears a voice calling. Samuel assumes that it is Eli. Perhaps nearsighted Eli needs help with something. So he goes to Eli, but ultimately it becomes clear that the voice that is calling is God. Samuel had not recognized that it was God because we are told in our passage, he did not yet know the Lord. Now that statement might seem strange since Samuel had grown up in the temple under the care of the high priest. Surely by this age, he must have known something about God. But the original Hebrew word translated in this passage to know does not mean to know something about God. It means to know God personally. Samuel knew of God, but he did not yet know God. He did not yet have a personal connection with God. Upon Eli's instruction, Samuel came to realize that it was God calling to him. So he began to wait and to listen attentively. And when the voice spoke again, he replied, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God spoke, and as the story continues, we're told of how God gave to Samuel a message, 
about God's future plans for Eli and for the whole people of Israel. The details of the message need not concern us here. What is significant is that God spoke to a young boy and Samuel finally heard what God was saying to him. From then on, Samuel would continue to be inspired and guided by God. The idea that God speaks to people is an element that you find throughout many stories in the Bible. God speaks to Abraham, calling him to go to the land of Canaan. God speaks to Moses out of a burning bush. God speaks to Gideon, calling him to take leadership of the people of Israel during a time of crisis. God speaks to the prophets. But does God still speak today? If you have little children, you might at times hear voices calling out in the night, but it's not God. We just don't hear any kind of audible voice of God. The apparent silence from God leads many people to conclude that while God may have spoken to people during biblical days, God simply does not speak any longer today. And yet, when you read through the Bible, all the way through the New Testament, the story of the early church, you never get the idea that God is running out of things to say. In fact, the message you clearly get from the New Testament is that believers should continue to expect to hear God in every age. Jesus spoke a great deal about this when he taught his disciples about what God would do through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God within and around us. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth, will speak God's word, and will declare what is to come. The message plainly is that through the Holy Spirit, God continues to speak. But how exactly does that voice of God come? A very helpful story in this regard is the story we heard this morning about the prophet Elijah. We picked up the story at the point when Elijah was fleeing from Queen Jezebel. He had just proven her prophets of Baal to be false, and she was not happy. Elijah fled a great distance into the wilderness and came finally to Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai, the place where the people had received the Ten Commandments. Elijah was feeling very much alone, and he was in despair. But he sensed God prompting him to go and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord was told about to pass by. He then witnessed a dramatic sequence of events. As the scripture reports, now there was a great wind, so strong it was splitting the mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. People often imagine that any appearance of God must necessarily be through some spectacular display. But God was not appearing through the earthquake, the wind, or the fire. Then, after the fire, came a still, small voice. So reads the King James Version. The New Revised Standard Version that we heard earlier renders the original Hebrew yet more accurately. After the fire came the sound of sheer silence. That phrase expresses the essence of how God speaks. 
not through big spectacles, not through an audible voice, not even in ordinary silence, but in a deep way, beyond all words and all categories. Elijah heard God's message in the depth of his being, telling him that he was not alone, that he need not be in despair, but in fact, God had a plan and he had a calling from God. And the story proceeds with Elijah responding to God to carry out that calling. The message of the Bible is that God continues to speak in this kind of deep, interior, mystical, personal fashion today. If we never seem to hear anything from God, it is not because God has stopped speaking. The problem, rather, very likely, is the same as what persisted in the days of Samuel, when, as the passage said, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The problem, perhaps, is that we are not listening. One day long ago in America, when the telegraph was the means of long distance communication, a young man set out to apply for a job as a Morse code operator. He arrived at an address that was listed in the Help Wanted ad and entered into a large, noisy office. In the background, a telegraph was clacking away. A sign on the receptionist's counter instructed job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were summoned into an inner office. The young man sat down and worked on the form in a waiting area with seven other applicants. After a few minutes, he stood up, crossed the room to the door of the inner office, and walked right in. The other applicants looked at each other and began to mutter among themselves that they certainly had not heard any summons, and they sat there waiting for the young man to shortly be booted out of the office. Soon, the door to the office opened, the interviewer escorted the young man out and announced to the other applicants, gentlemen, thank you for coming. The job has just been filled by this young man. The other applicants howled in protest. Wait a minute, they said. This guy was the last one to come in, and we were never even summoned for an interview. The employer replied, but you were summoned. The whole time you were sitting here, that telegraph has been ticking out the message. If you understand this, come right in. The job is yours. Today, God is seeking to communicate with us, but we need to attune ourselves to God so that we recognize God's voice and perceive God's message to us. Our scripture story about Samuel makes several key points about how we can do that. Samuel was able to hear God's voice, first of all, because he had faith. He believed in God and had a desire to hear God. Many people today cannot hear God because they've closed themselves off to God. You can't hear anything if you shut the door. Samuel was spiritually open to God, and that was the first prerequisite for experiencing a connection with God. Secondly, it's significant to note where Samuel was when he heard God so clearly. He was in the temple. There are other biblical stories about people hearing God in the temple. Isaiah heard God while he was in the temple calling him to be a prophet. 
Later, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, heard God while he was in the temple, giving him a message about the special child to come. These stories point to the value of being in a house of worship. And it's not that God only talks to people when they're in church, but joining together regularly in worship is a powerful factor in enabling us to be receptive to the voice of God. It is of further significance to note when Samuel heard the voice of God. It was nighttime and it was quiet. One of our primary spiritual problems today is that while we might believe and we might like to hear a word from God, our lives are such a swirl of busyness and distractions that any word from God is drowned out in the din of daily activity. Bishop James Thomas, who was bishop of our East Ohio Conference when I started out in ministry, once said that often God comes to us at night because that's the only time he catches us in. If we want to hear God, we need to quiet our hearts and minds so that we can be attentive to God. And this brings us to another key element in our story. When Samuel sensed that God was seeking to communicate with him, he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He focused himself upon God and made himself receptive. And rather than talking to God, which is so often what we think of when we think of prayer, Samuel concentrated on listening for God. If you were to go to a monastery today to engage in a spiritual retreat, do you know what they would tell you to do? Be quiet. Stop talking. Take some time for extended silence and just listen for God. Most contemporary people have a really hard time with that. We are so accustomed to being in constant motion, to be steadily engaged by all sorts of, of, of signals coming to us. If we're not in a flurry of activity, we start to get edgy. We want some stimulation. Turn on the TV, turn up the radio, look at the smartphone. But if we want to experience the presence of God, we do well to follow the counsel of the prophet Jeremiah when he said, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is at the heart of what we do in worship. In worship, it is possible to hear God through a variety of channels. We can hear God through the spoken words of scripture and sermons, or through the words and sounds of music, or in times of prayer. God speaks not through the words themselves, but beneath and through all that is happening in worship. God is that still, small voice stirring within us, that sound of sheer silence that echoes in the core of our being. What we need to do, if we want to really connect with God and perceive what God is saying, is to listen. One of the meaningful ways we can do that is in communion. Communion is perhaps the most countercultural thing that we do in the life of the church. Our society is perpetually focused on getting things done and getting it done quickly, delivering your order too fast, moving you quickly through the line, getting you instant results. 
But communion says, slow down. Take time to be receptive to the voice of God. In communion, we recognize that God is calling us by name, just as God called Samuel. God is seeking to be at work through our lives. And as we quiet our hearts and minds and focus upon the Lord, we can join with Samuel in saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give thanks that you are speaking to us today. Though so often we are distracted, so often we are not really listening, yet you persist calling our name. Inspire us, O oh Lord, to open our hearts, to be attentive, to listen for how you are reaching to us, how you are speaking to us, how you would work within our lives. Lord, we give thanks that you speak to us a word of grace. You are here to work in us with mercy, with healing, with transformation and promise. You are here to guide us in life, to lead us into the purposes that you have for us, to enable us to take hold of your promises, to find that sure hope that we have in you. Move us, O oh Lord, to listen, to be receptive today, that we might receive that touch of your grace in our own hearts and lives, and that we then might be moved to join with you, to share in how you are reaching out to the whole world. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you draw us together in the life of your church so that we can join with each other in receiving your word and in reaching out in mission to the world around us. We do reach out to persons in our fellowship who are in times of particular need. We remember those who are sick, and we lift up those who are in times of mourning. Today, we especially remember persons who have died just in recent days in this congregation. We lift up Joanne Brubaker, Carl Crawford, Terry Sargi, Jessica Bennett, and Lois Mock. We give thanks, Lord, for how they each bore witness to you in the life of this church and we entrust them into your everlasting arms. We take hold of that promise that we have in you, knowing that they live in the light of your kingdom and that we are yet connected in spirit. We pray, Lord, for the comfort of your spirit to be with families who are in times of grief and lead us, O oh Lord, to find our real future in you. We thank you, Lord, that you support us together in the life of your church and that you move us to reach out beyond the walls of this church into the whole world around us. This morning, we lift up especially our fellow United Methodists at the Akron Centenary United Methodist Church and pray that within this troubled world, you would empower us today, Lord, to be witnesses for your truth, to be people who speak out for justice and peace in our time, to be people who are agents of your compassion in our world. Guide us, Lord as we would hear afresh your word to us and as we respond in commitment and faith and praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.